Welcome to the Lioness Queen podcast. Your host, Reverend Dr. Marisha, founder, speaker, spiritual coach, and licensed minister, shares how she overcame the emotional trauma from divorce with her faith in God. Now let's jump into your daily dose of letting go of the past and living totally residue free. Here's your host, Reverend Dr. Marisha. So welcome back, my Lioness Queens. I'm really excited about today's episode because we are highlighting another Lioness Queen this week. And our guest is Deanna Murphy, who is an owner, a founder of Deanna Murphy International and the creator of Your Happy Ever After. I love it. Her mission is to help millions of women who have been separated and divorced, Christian women who have left sexually uh, betrayed marriages to heal from their pain from this emotional trauma and and betrayal and to discover who they are, discover, discover their true identity and rewrite their happy ever after. So welcome, Deanna. Thank you so much for having me today. Awesome. So let's go ahead and get right into the show. So I normally love starting off and reflecting on for either a quote or a poem. And the quote I found for, for today is from Jenna Quotes Ideas from Pinterest. I love Pinterest. I, I think all girls love Pinterest. But So the quote says, the worst feeling in the world is knowing you were used and lied to by someone you trusted. And I truly believe this quote is all connected to betrayal and how unfortunate it is to experience betrayal, especially from someone who you loved, someone you made a commitment to, someone you trusted with your everything, and to feel used, abused, and lied to makes you question so much your relationship but in the bigger scheme, also question who you are. So this is a great segue for Deanna to share with other lioness queens about her emotional trauma, that journey of betrayal that she experienced in her marriage. So Deanna, kind of give us um, an idea of what did that journey, what did that emotional trauma look like? Wow. So I started dating my husband when I was 13 and he was 16. And I was so naive. And we ended up getting married when I was 18. And uh, we pretty much joined the Air Force right from the get-go. And he got sent um, away before I did. But we uh, joined. We were able to get an assignment together in England. And it was when we were in England, I was cleaning one day and I found a porn magazine. And I just, I don't know, I was in shock. Like, I just didn't think that this was happening in my marriage, like that he was looking at that at all. And I remember, this is the first trauma I had. I 
got a bottle of Amaretto and I sat on my kitchen floor and I was looking through that magazine and I remember seeing this one uh, woman, she was in an Air Force uniform and that just set me off because me and him were both in the Air Force. And I took that magazine and I ripped it up into a thousand pieces and I was crying and I was drinking and he was sitting in the living room the whole time watching TV, just ignoring everything that was going on. And I took all that magazine, all those pieces, and I walked into the living room and I just threw it at him and, you know, right into his lap. And I was like, I can't believe you did this right. So I was really upset. Um, so over the years, you know, he would look at porn and then he would apologize and then he would ask me for forgiveness. And this was a, a cycle that repeated for 27 years in our marriage. And, you know, there were periods where he would agree to, uh, what's it called? Um, accountability, right? So way back then it was AOL and I, you know, for my kids, I had an AOL parent, um, what's it called? Controls on it. So he agreed to, to have me do that for his account. And so, you know, anytime he looked at it, it would send me a notification that he was looking at porn. The same thing, like if my son did it, and, you know, and knowing that that accountability was in place, he, you know, he didn't do it a lot. He would just do it every once in a while. I don't know. Do you want me to go all the way to the end <laughs> of what happened? So, so what did, what did that, did that, let me ask this question. So him being addicted to porn, what did that lead to? Did that lead to other things, him doing other things? Well, so porn, a porn addiction has to be escalated in order to get the same kind of, I don't want to be crude or anything, but to get the same kind of excitement level and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't until after <clears throat> I left him and I was going through my own recovery that I learned all this, but it has to escalate and it can escalate. It can go from just looking at magazines to looking at pictures on the internet, to watching porn videos, to then getting involved in um, either prostitution, affairs, and then it can escalate even really further to, this is gonna sound bad, but like um, child pornography and bestiality. Now, when he, there was a point in our marriage towards the end, probably about two years before I finally ended it. Um, he, you know, we were in a really good spot. Um, you know, we we're going to church all the time, you know, things were going really well. And then he came to me and he said, I want to go on a six month, um, assignment through the air force to Micronesia. And I said, why? And he said, I just think this would be a really good opportunity for me. And I said, I don't understand. I said, you know, I know the Air Force will send you away and that's out of our control, but you're volunteering to leave your family for six months. We're in a really good spot right now. I don't understand. I just really need to do this for myself and all that kind of stuff. And he never uh, really explained why. And it was when he came back that that's when it all started to go bad. I found out he had bypassed, he had created a new account. He had bypassed the accountability. He put a lock on his laptop. He wouldn't 
I kept asking him to open it. He wouldn't open it. He wouldn't show me what was on it. He kept saying, this is my personal business. And I'm like, I'm your wife. I, you know, I should be able to see what's on it. And no, 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 no. And so I personally, for him, do not know how far it escalated. You know, I have speculations that maybe he, there was, maybe someone was going, that he knew from work that was going there on a trip that he wanted to be with. Maybe he had an affair. Maybe there's way worse pictures on that, on that laptop. All I know is that I praise God that he didn't open that laptop because I think that God saved me from a lot more trauma by not letting me see what was on that laptop. laptop. Um, but it can escalate pretty far up depending on how deep they are into it. So what, um, so I'm pretty sure you had, you were overwhelmed with a sea of emotions Mm. that became so overwhelming for you. What do you feel was the hardest emotion to really let go of? Well, when I had been in counseling years before that, we had separated before that many years before, and I was talking to a counselor And he said, what do you, when you catch him looking at porn, how do you feel? And so I said, I feel nauseous. I feel like I can't think straight. I start shaking. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm like, you know, giving him all these emotions. And he says, do you think that you feel the same way as if you walked into your bedroom and you saw him in bed with another woman? Is it those same kind of feelings? And I said, yes. And he said, what you are going through is PTSD. Every time you catch him watching porn, your body is going through this involuntary reaction. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing it for so many years that your body is just, you know, my body, you know, I was just having these reactions. And, And then, of course, you know, when it keeps happening and happening and happening, you don't have time to heal. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the biggest thing for me when I came out of this was like what we talked about. I lost my identity. I didn't recognize who I was. I had done things that I was ashamed of and I felt guilty about being a daughter of God just to make him happy, you know, and I felt worthless and I felt unloved and I felt like he could just cast me aside and I was trash and I was abandoned and all these feelings that surrounded this identity that I had now that I had failed my marriage, that it was my fault. It was my fault that my husband was looking at porn because I wasn't a good enough wife. I wasn't good enough in bed. I wasn't adventurous enough in bed. You know, all these kinds of things went through my head. Wow. So those are the, that's the ball the ball of emotions that we go through when we experience different things. And then when you caught it, it just triggered and sent you right back to the day that you first saw it, you know? And so what was, I know you related it to identity, but what was it? Do you feel, what was the, the sentence that you kept telling yourself um, that, kept you in a space of not knowing who who you really was what 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 sentence did you keep telling yourself was it was it the fact that you weren't good enough was it the fact that you 
um, couldn't um, do certain things that he was addicted to? What, what, what do you think you were, what were telling yourself in during those times? Um, well, during the marriage, when I kept trying to hold it together, I kept telling myself, you have to be the good Christian wife and you have to forgive. You have to be mm. the good Christian wife and you have to forgive. Mm. And I learned later coming out of that, that I had very little boundaries and that I did have a voice and I did have a say so, but I didn't know it back then. And then the other thing was when I came out of the, vo- the mm. divorce or when I separated, the thing that kept running through my head was, um, you aren't worth it and you will never be loved again. And this led to um, cutting. This led to two suicide attempts. And this led to looking for love in all the wrong places, which just added to all the trauma. Wow. So, so that's the, I think that is the hard piece um, of the sentence that we loop in our heads of this certain mindset that we develop because of the trauma not necessarily true but it it is because of the trauma that we take on um these irrational thoughts these irrational behaviors in a way where it's almost like we take on their issues and their stuff in a way and, and, and make it ours and it's not and so what what do you think um what do you think were your bigger biggest triggers like during during those times what do you what do you see what do you remember as those the biggest triggers that you had um that that just made you go all the way back was it when you called him or 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 was it maybe something else like you know sometimes it may not even be you catching him in the act it could be something else or someone else were were there any other triggers that happened to you during the marriage or after during for me a lot of times it wasn't even necessarily catching him I could Mm -hmm. tell he was watching it or participating in it by how he was treating me like he would start getting really vulgar or if I was, you know, cooking dinner, he would come up behind me and like grab my crotch, grab my breasts, you know, and the kids would be sitting right there. Um, so it changed his behavior. Yeah. And so that's when I would Mm. be like, Oh, he's up to this again. And then I just start this little investigative journey, you know, to, and, and it would drive me insane. I would, I was obsessed with finding the truth. Did he ever admit that he was addicted and, and how it all started? Um, I don't know if he officially said, yes, you're right. I'm addicted. But when we got separated, we went through a program. Uh, there was a women's part of it to help with the women's recovery. And then there was uh, the men's side of it. And I remember being, uh, we had went to counseling and, you know, she said, what do you guys want to talk about every day or every week when you come in here? And I said, I want to talk about our workbooks. I want to talk about what we're learning about ourselves and, you know, what God's doing in our life and how we're going to turn this around and all this kind of stuff. And, and so 
I came in the next week and I had realized uh, I went had went back into a point in time where I realized that's when I realized that I had very little boundaries. And so when I went into the counseling session, I was saying, you know, his porn addiction, him being a porn addict, I can see where I had little boundaries. And at this point in time, when he did this, if I had done this, maybe I could have nipped it in the bud back then. You know what I mean? And he got really mad at me and he said, stop calling me a porn addict. Stop calling me a porn addict. And I said, but you are a porn addict. And he, he just started denying it right then and there in the counseling session. So I don't know what all that was about, but. Wow. So he didn't even, he didn't even admit it. <laughs> I, I think he seriously he thought he didn't it. have a problem that he could control it. You know, and then it was well, my fault. It the, was if I gave him more sex, he wouldn't be a porn addict. That was like his running line, you know. But and that's, then it's like, because yeah. I, I was on a, um, I was on a thread um, a couple of weeks ago. I was looking up some information, and there was these guys that got on there, and they were like, "Oh, you know, I'm not a porn addict. I watch porn because my wife never wants to give me sex." You know, and so I started talking to one of my girlfriends, and I'm like, they don't understand that when they do that. You don't want to be intimate with them. They don't get that. And it's like, so what came first, your porn addiction or me not wanting to have sex with you? I think it was the porn addiction that came first. You know what I mean? Like, I think we were having sex pretty good until I discovered this little porn addiction that problem that you have, you know, and they don't see that. No, they don't. So I think the biggest piece that they, they, that people do not see who have, especially a porn addiction. One, they, they think that they can control it, which he exhibited. Two, they don't realize they get a taste for uh, a certain type of pleasure, right? Yeah. That um, they don't realize that they are addicted to that piece. And then when they have a relationship, um, oftentimes one in the beginning it's hidden but then two what typically likes to happen is they like to introduce it to who they're with to see if if that's something that they like or not um when really they're addicted to it and so they don't know they don't know that really that that is something that that is a pleasure that they're addicted to and maybe that their spouse may not feel comfortable with certain things that they're addicted to, but then it's hard to let the addiction go and try to have this relationship. So sometimes it's hard for them to even have relationships with women, with people, because they're so addicted to their eyes, seeing something on a screen, you know what I mean? And that is the kind of almost the only way that they receive um, pleasure. You know what I mean? So it causes a lot of relationship issues because of the addiction, but oftentimes they don't see the connection and they definitely don't see how it blocks. And really, I mean, it, 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 it really puts a damper on a marriage. Yeah. I mean, you know, and so, Go ahead. So, so did you, so the question is, aside from the porn addiction, how was your relationship? 
Like, did you guys communicate? You know, did you have similar interests? Like, what was what were other parts of the relationship like? Well, I mean, at the beginning of the relationship, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of similar interests. We loved to travel. We were overseas in Europe for six years. We traveled everywhere. We had a lot of fun. But as time went on and as I started getting, you know, I was bitter. I was angry. I was hurt um, that this stuff kept going on and on and on. So I'm sure there was a change in me. Uh, in the way I interacted with him, um, there, you know, became a point where I didn't, um, I, I think I didn't respect him. And I also didn't trust him to be the head of the Christian household with this stuff going on. So I assumed that role and I think it emasculated him uh, in a lot of ways, but as the years went on, he also, uh, increased his alcohol consumption and became an alcoholic. And through that, you know, he was raised with anger issues with his dad. So then he started being angry and then, you know, his anger issues, he took out on our children. And then I didn't agree with that. So I was always arguing with him about how he was treating them. And, you know, there was never from the get go. I never felt like there was a true deep, intimacy with him. There was some kind of wall, but I didn't understand it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember a girlfriend saying, Oh, my husband's going away for the weekend. I'm going to miss him so much. And I never felt like that. I was like, my husband went away for a weekend. I would not miss him. You know, Mm -hmm. it would be peace in the house and, you know, different things like that. So, um, I don't think that there ever really was that true intimacy. I mean, I do, I did love him. Um, and I think he loved me, but I think there was just too many conflicting things between us that, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't agree on. We could not work through. We, we went to counseling several times. We just could not work through them. So how was, how was his relationships with other people, like his family? Um, Did he have good, healthy relationships with his family, with his mom? He had a good relationship with his mom. He had a lot of brothers and sisters. Um, His dad, like I said, his dad uh, was abusive um, to the kids. And Mm -hmm. I was actually best Mm -hmm. friends with his sister for a couple of years before he and I started dating. And I spent a lot of time over his house, especially during the summer, you know, as kids, we you know, slumber parties, we'd build forts in the front yard, we'd swim at the neighbor's house. And I remember walking through his house and seeing his dad just, you know, beating the heck out of his sister or, you know, someone else, you know, so he had a really, um, you know, a bad relationship with his father until he got older and got married and had kids. Then they kind of and the grandkids started coming along with all his other brothers and sisters. I think his dad mellowed out. I'm not sure if his dad ever apologized to him, but in his dad's later years, they had a better relationship. Hmm. Okay. So I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out like, where did that, it, it came from somewhere. So that's, so the one thing that I know, you know, kids are born addicted to things 
you know, and so some kind of way, somewhere, porn was introduced. And as a result, you know, people don't realize how it can impact you being in a, in your marriage and in an intimate relationship, um, to the point where, um, it's devastating to the other person. And sometimes the other person can't figure out what it is until it's exposed. Cause some, some people never find out, you know, I think, I think that was the Lord that, um, you know, the Lord will shine light on everything. And so sometimes, sometimes it's there in front of our eyes and sometimes we ignore the signs, you know? And so the question is, how did you, how did you handle all of this with the children? Like what, how, how did, how did that, I mean, you know, what did you say to the children about, or, or didn't say, like, how did you handle really what was going on in the marriage? I don't think we handled it very well. I mean, we never were the type of couple that would argue behind closed doors. It was all right out there in front. Uh, Um, Now, I wasn't necessarily accusing him of doing anything like porn or anything in front of the kids, but they knew he had an anger issue. They saw him drinking and they knew that I had problems with it. And when we got separated, when my kids were six and four, um, I remember we were sitting at the dining room table. I kicked him out and we're sitting at the dining room table getting ready to eat. And he walked out and I just started bawling. And my six-year-old son was like, mom, why are you crying? This is what you wanted. And I said, I know, but it's still hard. And then I remember even earlier years, them saying, mom, you should leave dad. Mom, you should leave dad. Like they could see the turmoil and the stuff that was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, By the time I did Mm -hmm. finally leave, my son was graduated from high school. My daughter was a junior in high school. So they knew what was going on. You know, they, Mm -hmm. they fully knew what was going on with the porn addiction and everything. Yeah, it's so crazy how children, I mean, they internalize so much of what we go through. Um, I know, you know, I tried to, with my son, I know I tried to um, let him know that it was really a cycle with his dad. His dad just didn't want to be married. And, you know, uh, he didn't want to be married anymore. We had been together for 24 years. And, um and it was devastating, but in the same regard, his father did the same thing to his mother. And so that was the piece that I had to share with my son, because typically cycles repeat themselves. And so I think with with your ex-husband, even though he wasn't his father, there was some still is residue of the cycle of, of, of what he saw at home and what he internalized, you know? And so sometimes we don't realize how much we can be our parents subconsciously and not even realize it consciously. You know what I mean? And so that was the piece that I had to kind of help my son work through. We can't blame your dad because your dad is doing what he know. Yeah. He's doing what he saw at home, you know, yeah. and his and his um, my ex-husband's mother, I mean, was furious with him because he's like she felt like you're doing the same thing your dad did to me. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing to Marisha that your dad did to me. And he, he didn't, he doesn't see the relate, the, the connection that he was like his dad 
but sometimes it's easy to fall into that cycle. And so, you know, kids, kids, you know, internalize uh, divorce in so many different ways. Um, and it's really challenging to, it's, it's really challenging. And I know there's a need for therapy with, you know, with children mm-hmm. um, to kind of, because oftentimes they don't want to disclose, you know, how they feel, what they think. Because oftentimes they still desire that parent, even if, if they were abusive, even if they were mean, even no matter the case, that's still their parent. You know what I mean? And so it's like, how do you help children work through all of that? so that they can be better parents. So that's that was key for my son. So for my son, I'm like, hey, you didn't have an example. So, you know, your dad followed what his dad did. So what are you going to do? What kind of father are you going to be? What kind of husband are you going to be? You know, because that that is a concern for me because I don't want him to look at it in that regard. I want him to learn and see what happened, the connection, learn from your mother's pain that you don't want to put a woman through that. You you don't want, you know, you want to be a, the husband that you're supposed to be, the father that God wants you to be. You, I want you to be the man that God wants you to be, you know? And so that's the big piece for me is how children internalize the divorce. Yeah. It's, 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 I was on a, um, I was on a, um, I was interviewing, uh, another young lady and she just talked about how it impacted her so much that it also, um, it caused her to marry someone who his parents were divorced. And she thought that they had that connection and they, you know, they had that similar experience, but in the same regard, um, he had, um, you know, childhood trauma. She had childhood trauma. And then when they both got together, the childhood trauma marriage was a whole mess. Mm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so uh, we got to make sure that our children are really, um, you know, that they work through all of that. So how did your faith, how did your faith help you um, during this process to help you you know, take that step towards, you know, um, your happy ever after. (laughs) I kind of went a little overboard with it. Um, so, (laughs) you know, coming out of that marriage, like I said, I felt so horrible about my life and I was doing horrible things. Um, but you know, I've been a Christian since I was 13 and a lot of times you'll read things in the Bible or you'll hear sermons and you know, it's all head knowledge. And it isn't until you actually have an experience that moves it from your head to your heart that your life completely changes. And at some point, I don't remember when it was, I had this revelation that I am a daughter of the King of Kings and I am Mm -hmm. actually a princess and I am highly valued. I am treasured. I've always been worthy. I am so loved and I am not abandoned. And I, you know, I just went through all these things that 
God just like downloaded all this truth to me about what my true identity was as a daughter of the King of Kings. And it was at that point mm -hmm. that I started changing my circumstances because like I said, I was sleeping around. Um, I got involved with a guy who I lost all my money. I became homeless. Um, even though I had a full-time job, no one at work knew all this mm -hmm. stuff was going on. Um, I didn't have anyone that I could talk to. I didn't have anyone that could show me the way I didn't have anyone that could show me what the pitfalls were. Um, and you know, once I had this revelation that I was a princess, I still didn't, he, he downloaded all this information to me as far as my true identity, but I still didn't grasp it in the fact that through that I have access to so many things through God and I have the power um, to change a lot of things in my life. Um, but basically what I did was just to start changing my identity. You know, I was wearing tiaras all the time. I had like frog princesses or princes. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to find my frog prince someday. You know, I'm going to find my prince. And it wasn't until about three years ago. So I got separated in 2004. We got officially divorced in 2008 and it took me about five years to get through all the trauma and all the pain and all that of my divorce. It says it takes an average of about three years, but I think adding on a sexual betrayal like that or some kind of abuse, um, it takes a lot longer. So it took me five years, but so what, that was like 16 years ago, um, 12 years ago, the d divorce was official, but it wasn't until about three years ago that I really started to really understand what it meant to be a, a, a daughter of the king and what I have access to. And, you know, I started looking at God's promises and I started claiming those promises for myself. And I started, you know, doing a lot of changing a lot of different things. I could change the way um, I handled relationships. I could change the relationships that I had. I started getting rid of all the toxic relationships in my life that weren't serving me. Um, I started looking for ways to be more at peace and things that caused peace in my life and not trauma and turmoil and drama. And I started, you know, looking at how do I really want to structure my life? Who do I want to be? What do I want to be known for? What kind of legacy do I want to leave for my children? What kind of woman do I want to be to present myself to the world, but also I want to be able to look in the mirror every day and see, you know what? You're full of joy. You're confident. You're, you're free. You have abundance. You have a purpose. You have meaning, you know? And so this is what, um, this is just this journey that I've been on for the last three years and really how, when you can change your identity, when you can heal your heart wounds, you can renew your mind and then you can start focusing on, uh, I don't want to say developing, but creating this life that you really want. And the thing for me to create my ha happy ever after was for me, because I had been sleeping around so much, is I had to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to have any guys in my life right now. And Jesus, you be my boyfriend. Jesus, you be my husband. And when I would start feeling lonely or when I would see a couple 
together and then I would start saying, oh, I really miss this or that, or I miss, you know, this or that about a certain boyfriend or whatever. And then, you know, you get the, you get the temptation to text an ex or whatever. And, um, I would say, you know what, Jesus, whatever this is that I'm needing right now, whatever this is that I'm craving right now, um, I pray that you would fill that void for me right now. You would be my husband. You would be my boyfriend. You would fill that. And he was faithful every single time. And the thing that I want to show women, because there's so many women that are hurting so bad that they just bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship, trying to find something to fill that void. And the thing is, is that we have to fill that void with Jesus first. We cannot get healthy. We cannot... um, we, we won't know who our true identity is or renew our mind or any of that until we can fill that void with Jesus. And when we can fill that void with Jesus and be completely 100% happy with him, then if someone else comes along, that's a bonus. You know, it's not something that we need. It's not something that identifies us like being a wife or being a girlfriend or whatever. That's not my identity. Um, if I happen to be that and, and it adds value to my life, then that's fine. But the very first identity I have is a daughter of the King of Kings. And so this is what I try to think about every single day when I am going through life, how I'm interacting with people, the thoughts in my head. If I start to have a negative thought, no, what's the truth? What would the daughter of the King know? What would be the truth? What, you know, those kinds of things. So this is how I started training myself to be in this identity and how to rewrite my happy ever after. Woo! I would tell you <laughs> the piece you, okay. You just said a lot, but there's one thing that you just said that, that, I mean, it jolted me. You said, what would the, would the daughter of a King know? Yeah. That right there is powerful. Deanna. Because it is all about God's truth and who yep. we are. Yep. And that's what you said. You had to realize that God loved you, that you were accepted, that you were approved, that you were his baby girl. That's what I yep. that's what I call myself. <laughs> I am his baby girl. You realize that the relationships that some of the relationships that you were in were not healthy relationships. You realize that God had to heal your wounds. You realize the importance of renewing your mind. And renewing your mind, I I think, is really key because we can always have triggers to set us 10 steps back. And so if we're constantly renewing our mind with the word of God to help us to stay in a place where we realize who we are in him. Mm-hmm. And that is what would the daughter of a king know? I'm telling you, Deanna, that got me on fire. I, I, that right there with that, I, I wrote that one down. I, I I'm writing it down. <laughs> I got to quote that one from Deanna Murphy. What would a daughter of a king know? Because it's so, it is so critical. Like you said, there's so many women. Uh, we forget who we are, especially when we've been married or when we, when we've been with someone so long, like we have, like I was with my ex-husband since the age of 17. And so I understand being with somebody for so long. I understand you feeling like 
you wasted my time, dude. I understand. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know what I mean? I, I could have been with somebody else who would have treated me better, who really would have loved me, really would have watered me. I could have, I could have, I could have. And the one thing the Lord had to help me with is recognizing what good came from it. And for me, there were still some good things and some blessings, some miracles, some signs and some wonders that happened during that time frame. And so God wanted me, don't discount the things that I've done in your life during that time frame. And so I truly believe for myself, the reason why I was married to my ex, Mr. Wright, my, my last name was Wright, and, and, and Mr. Wright, right, was so my son could be born. So, so that little spirit could be placed here on this earth. And that is what I truly believe. And I believe I would do it all over again. I would sacrifice it all over again for him. Yes. You know, and so that's the piece too. There are some things that happen to us, good things, but sometimes the bad things overpower so much of the good things that God really did in us. And sometimes we don't see it until we're out of it. We really don't see the work that he's done on the inside. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, it's, I'm telling you, it's, I can't believe that our time is gone already. But I want to I wanna give a big thank you to Deanna for coming and sharing her story with my audience. I truly believe that betrayal is ch- a challenging card for anyone to be dealt with. You know, it doesn't matter if you have confidence or low self-regard betrayal is like a newborn that doesn't it it, it keeps you up in the middle of the night like a newborn it it drains the life out of you like a newborn but it's only if you allow it because the fight is all in your mindset and how we must realize that the betrayal is really never about performance or lack thereof it was all about the other individual their selfish needs, their selfish desires that had nothing to do with us. And so we as women must make sure we disconnect ourselves from the betrayal because if we do not, it will consume us physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually in a way that we will never believe the truth. Like Deanna says, that we are enough. Lioness Queens, you are enough. And so if I'm not enough for one person, we must believe God has someone else out there who will feel that we are enough. And so I love to woe my listeners at the end of every episode. And woe stands for word of encouragement. So what words of encouragement, Deanna, do you have for our lioness queens today? I want every single one of you to do a little exercise today. Whether you feel it or not, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to look yourself straight in the eye and I want you to say, I am loved, I am worthy, I am enough, I am highly treasured and valued, I am fully protected and provided for, and I am healthy. And say it every day if you have to, till you start believing it, till it moves from your head to your heart. 
Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. Well, I really, truly appreciate Deanna, you coming on with us. And so at the end of every episode, I love to do a weekly chant. And so what I would love for you to do is repeat after me. I am a lioness queen. I am a lioness queen. God wants me to rise up. God wants me to rise up. He wants me to take my rightful place. He wants me to take my rightful place. As the queen I am. As the queen I am. He wants me to be residue free. He wants me to be residue free. Intentional in my fight. Intentional in my fight. Stand on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Realize I am a masterpiece. Realize that I am a masterpiece. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am enough. I am enough. I am a lioness queen with a purpose. I am a lioness queen with a purpose. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Lioness Queen podcast. Please subscribe and write a review. You can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even iHeartRadio. I would love to hear how this message empowered you. Come back next Tuesday at 3 p.m. for more from your Lioness Queen.